Hello and what's going on? Rich Ryan here, host of the Reinforced Running Podcast. Welcome. Today, we have Robert Killian. You know him. Two-time world champion. And what we do, we kind of chronicle the whole career. We start back in 2015 with his start. Talk about how his mindset has changed from each year. The things that he learned. Some of the things that has really kind of motivated him to continue to push forward. How his strategy changed when he approached seasons. And how he's had uh, further success with that, that type of strategy. And also, we talk a lot about where Spartan has, where it becomes, the future of the sport toward the back end of this podcast. So he was very generous with his time, really uh, honest with his um, with his experiences throughout the sport. So I really enjoyed the conversations. A ton of awesome giveaways from someone who's achieved probably more than anyone else at this sport, arguably. So before we get to it, again, we are on our quest to reach 100 reviews on Apple iTunes, and we are giving away t-shirts. So today we're giving away a t-shirt to single track Scott. <clears throat> he says the perfect fit for a unique niche. And he says in a sport that's already small and not so well known, Rich manages to jump into very specific topics that fill some very special niches for those who are extreme geeks of OCR. And I love this show for that. Whether it's post-race breakdowns, it gives an excellent in-depth detail about what we want to hear, pre-race predictions and drafts. It's a whole different level of excitement to the races. Um, so this was a great review. Really appreciate that single track, Scott. Reach out to us on Instagram, reinforced underscore, uh, reinforced underscore running underscore rich. That's my Instagram handle, and we'll send you a free T-shirt. So if you leave a review, we'll give you a T-shirt, uh, and if it gets read on air, we'll send you a T-shirt out there. So, ah, oh, fuck, I fucked this whole thing up. <clears throat> So if you leave a five-star review on iTunes and it gets read on the air, you will also win a t-shirt. Very, very exciting. So congrats, Single Track Scott. Look forward to it. And let's do it. Here's our friend, Robert Killian. All right, we're on. Rob Killian is here. Rob, thanks for joining me this morning. I appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been a um good while since I've done one of these due to COVID and some of my military obligations, but uh, you're the first in a, a long line here. I think I have about another three or four lined up. So pretty excited to get back and catch up with everybody. It's been a while. People want to talk to you. People want to hear from you. So uh, I'm excited to, to kind of dive in. Uh, the idea I had for this is just kind of, kind of chronicling your career up to this point and how things have changed over the years. And I was telling you, I did a deep dive on Athlinks, a lot of information there, and just kind of the the big picture and way I see things and how things kind of started and where they are now. So I'd love to start just like back in 2015. Is that cool? Yeah, we can go back there. And uh, I mean, there's a few, you know, people probably listen to other podcasts I've done and we've hit some of these highlights, but, um, you know, I think it's pretty critical to kind of emphasize, you know, my military background. And I think that kind of really helped me with the transition, um, went over to Europe Kind of, and coincidentally, like the year before to do military sports. So we have the all army sports program and you're allowed through the morale, welfare and recreation MWR to apply and you can compete in, you know, triathlon, you can compete in golf if you want or basketball team sports. And essentially for the triathlon, you know, you just try out and they, your application is based off of your Olympic distance time. So, you know, whatever you've done in an Olympic distance, ITU draft legal, they'll just strictly go off time. And then when you show up for the event, you race as a team because um, it is ITU draft legal on the bike. So you kind of got to get out of the water fast and, and draft. But um, 
getting familiar with that program and with coming from a triathlon background, I mean, and an athletic background, I guess I, I was always really, I would say, I wouldn't say like mediocre, but pretty good at any sport I did, but I can never really, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to snowboard. I want to surf. I want to ride bikes. I want to swim. And I never really was like, all right, I'm going to focus on just running or I'm going to focus on just, you know, this one particular thing. And, um, yeah, I think that was the thing that got me into obstacle course racing was, you know, our MWR program, there was an opportunity to go out and do orienteering, which Mm. in Europe is huge. Like people don't realize how big it is over there and how fast guys bushwhack through, you know, the woods, absolutely no trails. So a little bit of that background, the military grit, um, and then the best ranger competition, my mentor, Colonel Collins, he was the one who put the obstacle course racing team together. Um, you know, he knew Joe DeSena and Spartan race and he, um, you know, kind of wanted to correlate, you know, what we do in the special operations community with urban, you know, terrain and how we negotiate in an operational environment over obstacles, you know, going through tunnels or carrying a really heavy rucksack or, you know, pulling someone off the X if they're injured, um, that kind of correlated into obstacle course racing. Um, not only, you know, the mindset, but the physical components of it as well. So we went in, uh, in 2015, uh, I, you know, was selected for the team and they, you know, they're like, Hey, this is just going to be just like the best ranger obstacle course. You know, we call it, um, the Derby queen out at, um, uh, camp Rogers in, uh, Fort Benning. And it's, you know, about a half mile, but there's, you know, 20 something obstacles. So it's really like a lot more obstacle dense, not so much endurance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot of those obstacles, you know, you translate into the, the obstacles that you see in Spartan race and other, um, you know, obstacle course racing events out there. Cause they, you know, kind of spawned from those type of military obstacles and challenges that the military did to conduct that type of training. But, uh, like everyone else, man, I didn't want to be the first person to just show up and be like, oh, you're the rookie dude. You never even done a Spartan race. So I go up to, uh, in Colorado, you know, it's weird about Colorado. Everyone's like, oh, it's awesome to train there, but it's really hard to race there. Not a lot of races are really taking place. Not a lot of people like to race up there. You might get like one mm-hmm. a year, like there's one half Ironman, one Ironman in Boulder, um, maybe like two or three marathons, but you don't get a slow lot. times. Yeah. People aren't going to run yeah. past there. Yeah. Nobody wants to run and race at altitude. They want to train right. at altitude and then go down and like totally race at elevation. So I found Breckenridge and that was even, you know, 5,000 feet above where I was living. So I go up there and I'm, I'm racing against, uh, it's Travis Macy. He's like a really famous endurance runner out there. And, um, you know, he, I'm in his backyard. I think he did like 90 burpees and still beat me by a couple minutes. And then his neighbor <laughs> who trains with him got second. Um, I think I did 60 burpees. I think I missed a spear and I failed one other obstacle. So it was my first race. And I remember the next day I couldn't even walk down a flight of stairs, dude. Like that's how it's like every muscle on my body was sore. And I'm sure if you guys have done a beast for the first time or Spartan, you can relate that. I mean, it's just a full body workout. So it was something that I, I was like, wow, you know, this is going to take a lot of prep, a lot of effort if I'm going to show up and um, expect to do well for the army. I wanted to compete, you know, on behalf of the team. I didn't want to just, you know, compete individually. So the way that the Spartan Race World Championships used to go was your top two um, males and then your one female time would be the combined for the team event. So we had in 2015, 
I was competing for the U.S. Army on the team event. Granted, it's an individual race, but I, you know, I, I had some pretty good performances, especially in um, Palmerton. That was my first mm-hmm. podium ever. It was my and New Jersey. Third. You were at too, and that was also. Yeah. And these races were stacked back then. When I was looking at them, I was like, yes. it was all like the legends. It was everybody was at all these big races. So like you're showing up and you're getting these podiums almost immediately. You know, like and it was kind of a short short little season it seemed like he kind of had put together right it's like there's palmerton new jersey that led into to tahoe but the competition was really strong did you know the competition was strong or were you just kind of like these are just regular people that i'm racing against was there no expectations against who you were like competing no so funny thing about that is when i signed up for breckenridge you know i was like oh well, there's a there's a beast and there's a sprint and i had no idea about the nbc series or where the pros or none of that stuff I was just like, well, I've never been to a marathon where all the fast guys run the half marathon. So I was like, I want to sign up for the beast. So I signed up for the beast and all the fast guys were in the sprint the next day. Uh, Obi like like, missed the spear. I think Cody missed the spear. Like everyone missed it. And I had no idea about that race, like no clue. So I was like, well, I guess I'll race those guys at the next event. So that's why I had to do um, Palmerton. And I remember doing New Jersey. And I did back-to-back days. And I remember Robert Koble got really upset at me. He was like, he's like, you know, you have a really good shot at doing well at Worlds. Why are you racing back-to-back days so close? And I was like, well, I just don't feel like I have the experience that everyone else has. And my mentality is I want to go the extra mile. I want to go harder. I want to, you know, I want to I get more experience. Um, I don't necessarily think tapering for me was the best plan of action just looking at, you know, a lot of the time, especially in Palmerton, I was running behind Cody and Atkins just to see how they did stuff. I was like, mm. they were just, and then they would go, come and crush me on like the barbed wire crawl because I was like trying to do it like a military low crawl instead of rolling. Or, you know, I, was, I wasn't doing smart things on the Z wall or the rope climb and they would just fly by me. So I was like, man, I really got to like figure out my technique. And I think, is there something with the with your best ranger experience because that is such a long grueling competition that you're like, well, these back-to-back events is really not that bad. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that's like anything else, right? It's all about your mindset and how you Mm. approach things. Um, And a lot of people, in my opinion, they like to stay in their comfort zone, you know, and it's, um, it's something that's to them, that's more important than changing. So I've been in the military and experienced like dudes, like, an inch from your face yelling at you at the top of their lungs, you know, just like putting you in these really extreme high stress positions when you haven't had any sleep or even, you know, during a combat deployment, um, when you have enemy, you know, indirect fire coming, or, you know, there's a real threat that you're going to lose your life or you've seen someone lose their life. Um, it kind of puts things in a different perspective for you. So yeah, like just being able to go out and have the freedom to race and to be able to, you know, even if it's yeah, back to back days for me, it was like, Hey, I, I feel like I could take this on. Um, yeah. Best Ranger of 72 hours nonstop. And for me, that's where I learned too. It's a lot about technique. Like, you know, you could do well in that competition, but historically not like you could be the fittest guy, um, the strongest and still not win because you're not for one, you're not consistent or you don't have the right techniques because you didn't, you don't have the experience. You haven't learned from failure. And I think that's Mm. a big thing for me. And it's hard being a coach sometimes because 
sometimes, you know, people are like, all right, I need a coach so I can get the cheat codes. I can get the easy answer. They can give me what was successful for them. And to an extent that's true, but at the same time, nothing teaches you more than like you figuring it out for yourself or failing or, you know, what works for you. Um, and what's your why? Because that's going to be your motivation, like how you get motivated, what, you know, what makes you get up out of bed in the morning when everyone else is sleeping or when you want to sleep more. Um, and, you know, just getting back to that, you know, how much are you willing to sacrifice? And that was a big thing for me trying to decide, all right, how much time should I commit to this? What am I going to get out of it? For me, it was like, hey, I'm, I'm part of a team. I want to do the best that I can for the army team. And that's the same, same thing for best ranger was, you know, I have a teammate, you don't compete by yourself hmm. and you don't want to let your, your partner down, you know, like he could put in all this hard training and I could like hurt my ankle or I could get sick. And like every bit of, you know, the two months or three months prep that he put into would be a loss. So I think when you have that in the back of your mind too, is like, I don't want to show up to this event and not be the, the person who didn't perform and cause my, teammates who are sacrificing their time away from their family or whatever it is. Cause you know, like that's, that's the biggest thing about you only have so much time. Um, and that's just yeah. how you yeah. use it and how you, I mean, that's, I think that's the key between a successful person and somebody who's mediocre or someone who's not successful. It's all about how you manage your time, what sacrifices you're willing to accept and like how much you're really you're willing to give to accomplish your goal. And it's, and you're the only person who can establish that. It's not a coach is, you know, can keep you accountable. A training partner can, but at the end of the day, it's you're putting in the work, you're doing the workouts that the coach gave you. You're committed to getting up. You're in the mindset where there's no excuses today. You're just going to get it done and you're going to keep, you know, keep yourself accountable until you reach that goal. And doesn't matter if it takes a day or a week or a month or a year. Like that was a big thing with me, right? Like I wasn't, you, you probably see my athletes. Like I didn't win the Kona Ironman. I won my age group. I won my division at some races, but I wasn't at the pro level. And then, you know, I've done some crits, some bike races. I've done some adventure races, but for me, it was like, I wanted to win the world championship. I wanted to like, once I, once I saw in Palmerton that I was on the podium and it, it became something that was realistic. I was like, okay, this is something that, I, I was more passionate about than any other sport that I had, I had really come across before. Yeah. And I, I did want to ask you a little bit about that, but just to, to double back on the technique part, I actually, when I was talking to Vince Bukowski, him and his partner, Alistair Keyes, who won this past year, when he was telling about like some of his prep, he was like, and he's tremendously fit, right? You, like, so fit. He's so fast. I found so that out. Fit, so fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. He took that, he took that thing out and that like, uh, took Hammond by surprise. Like, and this person I, like is just crushing it. He needs to hit the spear. He just, needs yeah. To hit the spear. He had a, somebody should have known him from Tahoe. I mean, I think he got eighth, but again, that was a mountain yeah. course and he's not, he's not yet going to be, but he's moving to Colorado with Gaudet. So him and Gaudet are going to be, yeah, they're going to be the next, uh, next mountain goats. I feel like. Well, he was saying that they spent, so he's so fit, right? So he has this strength in his back pocket. So it's easy to kind of like lean into your strengths and be like, well, maybe I can just out fitness people. But he was saying him and his partner spent full days at the, at the gun range because that's where the technique needed to be. That's the stuff that nobody wants to do. And it paid yeah. off tremendously, you know? So he could have just hoped that his fitness would kind of pay off. But, um, but yeah, it just reminded me of the one you said, that's like doing the little things, doing the things that there is no cheat code. 
<laughs> there's just like, there's just, just work to do. Yeah. And the technique so, is so critical, like you were saying. So mm -hmm. the technique, especially in that type of competition, um, where you're so critiqued on, you know, your performance based off of certain checks, you know, there's like, Hey, did they do this the right way? Did they do this the right way? There's, um, you know, have your task condition standards and it has to be within the standards. Um, you know, in Spartan, same thing with the rule book, you have to negotiate an obstacle a certain way, but there's a bunch of techniques mm -hmm. that can, you can either do it faster or you can do it slower. So, and you don't know a lot of those techniques until you see someone else do it or you just practice yourself or like they had a really good coach. Um, he, had, he had won it, I think the last two, the two years before that or something, Rolfus. And uh, I don't think they would have done so well on their first time competing together. And I don't know if it was their first time together or second time, but um, had they not had that coach that really helped them with the techniques? Because like you said, they were, they were super fit. But for mm -hmm. that particular competition, um, I mean, it took me five times of doing it without any coach, without any guidance before I even figured out like how to do things because it's so difficult on national guard status versus active duty to mm -hmm. train on that stuff. Like, you know, they're, they're going to the range every day. We go once a year. So like you're saying, like, yeah, going to the range is, is super critical because it's, it's weighted. <laughs> yeah, it's weighted a little bit higher too. So that's another thing you don't, necessarily understand i'm not sure if the spartan games or even i was curious too about maybe you can answer this um, ocr stars how they weight each event you know because one could be a little bit harder and they do that too at spartan games where you know the sledgehammer is not going to be weighted as much as like it was the, like grouped endurance right. run or something you know mm -hmm. so they might not get as many points and that's how best ranger is too except they don't always tell you the, the weight so then you have no idea where to give those efforts. So it's kind of like, uh, you got to give everything all the time, but you also got to look at historically, okay, what has been, you know, the ruck march is always going to be high. The land nav is always going to be high. The shooting is going to be high. So you just got to make sure that you don't mess up on those essentially. That sounds more like kind of like the CrossFit games. They'll like put in random things one year and make it, it like, I think everything's weighted the same. OCR, it's every OCR starts, it's all weighted the same. But in those other events, it's just like the preparation and how often you'll see them, right? It's like, is the swim going to be here that much? And if you're not good at swimming, is it going to, to kill your score? Kind of sounds like that's what um, Best Rangers kind of like anyway. And I think, um, I think Alistair and Vince were, I think this was their second time. I don't think they can be partners okay. again. I think anyway. No, um, I don't know. So it's not about partners. You're limited to three times in your your career now. I don't know why uh, they made that just total. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you competed with. So that's the thing too. And I, he probably holds a little grudge over me because I, I call it the best of the rest now because essentially the best guys can't compete anymore. Like I'm not saying I'm the best, but there's other guys that are previous winners. I'd rather compete against those guys than somebody who's never done it before. Or, you know, I would expect someone on their third time to do really well and not necessarily someone who's only done it their very first year and is figuring it out unless they have that coach who won the year before or won two years before and they're very familiar with the current competition. And you have three dedicated months to just focus. Like that's how long it takes you because you're given this massive amount of tasks that you have to know how to do. And that's medical, that's shooting, that's... I mean, calling for fire, there's so many different things that you're graded on. It's just a wealth of knowledge. And you do build up, you know, in your military career to know those things kind of 
mm-hmm. like the back of your hand. But um, they should have like yeah. a tournament of champions. They should they should be put into a different pool. That's you guys all go against yeah. each other. Like all yeah, I was like, or you know, just just have like a one day event where you can bring back the the best of the best guys yeah. before too too super old. But um, <laughs> yeah, that really hurt us in the National Guard, right? Because we only have you know a limited amount of soldiers, and we would have guys return every year because it would take them a lot longer to get to the level that the active duty guys were at. So it would, it would be like a fourth or fifth year, you know, team that would actually, okay, they're like, all right, I'm really going to do good this year. And now they're like, Hey, you can't even come back. Or let's say they did this massive train up and their partner got injured. They can no longer compete the next year. Cause that was their one shot. They didn't even get to finish. So it's not even if you finish, if you tow the line, that's one, one and done. And you got two more. So you can literally have mm-hmm. a couple partners that, you know, didn't have a good day and then that happens and you're yeah yeah so it's, it's kind of unfortunate but uh anyway yeah so leading <laughs> so but leading into tahoe you kind of mentioned that you were really passionate about this you want to compete at the highest level but you had this other piece too that the team that was kind of this motivating factor for you as well it's like not wanting to let people down and again with the, with your background in best rangers something that's kind of ingrained in you so what were the expectations leading into that event event were you thinking like i can win or were you thinking like it's win or bust no so for me this is like it's such a weird thing so i did i you know i would do a little bit of research on the obstacles um i was still working full-time in the military so i was mm-hmm. on active duty operational support working in watkins colorado for the 519th special forces group and I was on full orders working, you know, eight to five. I would get up early and swim. I'd try to run during lunch and then I'd bike when I got home because I was kind of still in triathlon mode. But I think a lot of that helped me on the bike, you know, prepare for mountain running. I wasn't doing a lot of mountain running. Until Where were you living at the time? I was in Longmont. So, okay. Right so you were, at, you were in Colorado? Okay. Yep. And I think after I did Breckenridge, I was like, dang, all Spartan races must be like this. So I just started running uh, Flagstaff Mountain, Green Mountain. And uh, Bear Mountain, like I was just, I was doing all the, you know, the, the peaks there in Boulder, um, trying to get ready because I just figured they were all mm-hmm. on mountain, mountain courses, but uh, came out, you know, Somewhere. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, that was a blessing in disguise. It was my first race was in Breckenridge because then I just assumed that that's also at Tahoe and like every other race would be like. Palmerton's so rough. Palmerton's really, and like Jersey, you can get a lot, but it's a lot of up and down. It's not like as mountainous, but like, yeah, the three races that you did. Yeah, courses. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is, you know, a good prep and a good mindset for Tahoe. Um, like, yeah, had it been in Abu Dhabi like this year, I don't think that would have, you know, been conducive for success. I mean, but at the same time, yeah, I went in. I um, I remember at the starting line, Atkins was making fun of me because I wrote down all the obstacles on my, on my like, forearm because I still didn't know, like, what you brought they a map. were. <laughs> And I, um, I had actually mapped out the water points. That was kind of what I wrote down is like, all right, after this obstacle, there's a water station. So this is when I'm going to take a gel. And he had on these massive flasks and everyone had on these like, and I'm like, dude, did I not like prepare? I was like, this is only a two hour race. I was like, I've done nine hour Ironmans. I've done, you know, three days, 72 hour competitions. Like I, I'm very good at fueling where I don't need a lot during the race. Because again, it's only two and a half hours and it's mainly glycogen stores and you can, you can get a little bit in the middle of the race, but that's just not how I tackle those events. But, um, so I had a plan for, you know, that, but it was mainly just taking water on the course. I didn't bring anything at all. 
I brought, you know, I had a couple of goos and I had, I, I don't think it was goo, it was something similar to that. Like, uh, yeah, some gel, like some, whatever. Some calories. Some glucose. Some calories. Yeah. Whatever. But, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, I went into it. I, I was like, I just want to be light. And then I, I heard there were two guys who were like Olympians or some, I don't know, 14 minute, like 13 minute 5k runners. And of course they were like, as soon as you went through the water and we were going on that little um, loop back to come down to the monkey bars that were frozen, they were both in front of me just hauling. And I was trying everything that I could to keep a pretty good pace, to not let them get too far out. But, um, yeah, as soon as we got to the monkey bars, they both fell off. And then I got to the very end. And I remember they, they started shifting. Um, I don't know if they didn't, the build team didn't put them on really tight. It's like but I remember, spinning, uh, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> they were spinning while we were on them. And I don't know if that's why the guys in front of me fell off. But it's funny, in the Best Ranger comp, there's actually on the um, Mount Vesties, what they call it, they have an obstacle. And it's intentionally the bars mm-hmm. spin just like that. So I kind of had already done that in another, you know, capacity. And I knew that you just got to get off of them quick and ride it out to do that transition. And Kent was like right next to me. He's the one who spun it because I was on it by myself. And when he grabbed it, that's when it spun. I was like, whoa. And I think by the time the girls went, they had completely taken the monkey bars out because they were too loose. Kevin Donahue was there um, officiating. I remember he was like, yeah, I was just, they, none of the, none of the bars were tight. So they, they ended up taking the obstacle out. But, um, Long story short, I found myself in first place <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I started running up, you know, I was like, all right, Cody's next to me. And I think it was Novakovic and some other, and then he couldn't get the Hercoist. They're both, their hands were frozen. And I, I came from a biathlon, a winter biathlon background too. So like doing shooting and, you know, having to take your glove off or having, you know, a cold hand while you're shooting, I was kind of used to like keeping my hands warm, you know, techniques where you put your, you know, your hand under your armpits or behind the back of your neck. There's a lot of heat that's escaped. So you just keep doing that where they stay warm. And, um, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it, but then I was at a point where I was like, man, do I just keep going? Or I feel like I would be better off working with Cody. So I kind of throttled off the pace, let him catch up with me. And, Cause I wanted someone to work with, I know that sounds crazy, but it was just like, this is where I was at. I was comfortable with my pace. Yeah. And I was like, you know, these historically are like really long and brutal. So um, I stayed with him until we got to the spear and then he missed the spear. And I was like, well, it's literally all downhill from here. So I, I, I was in disbelief. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to hammer as hard as I can and see what happens. Um, and I actually fell on one of the downhills. I didn't tell a lot of people this, but I hurt my ankle a little bit. Luckily, it was like close to the bucket. And I was able to kind of like reset during the bucket. I probably didn't have the fastest bucket carry, but I don't think if, yeah, if the bucket carry would have been somewhere else, that ankle probably would have bothered me a lot more, but it was also at the end was of the that old school fill up. That was probably fill up your own bucket type of thing. Yeah, too, that was right? dirt, man. And they were like, they told me like fill it to the top. And then I was like smashing it down. I put more dirt. I was like, I had that thing. So <laughs> full, dude. It was so heavy. And, uh, I got down and I remember Joe and them asking like, what did like, what do you do? Like, what's your name? Like, you know, and, like, and it, I was like, like you guys did this in Palmerton, you know, Killian, Rob Killian. He's like, well, it'd be awesome if you like collapsed at the finish and made this like super dramatic. Cause it looks like you're not even <laughs> trying hard. You know, I was just Joe like being funny, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I was like, um, I had no, I mean, I wanted to do well, like you said, for the team, but I had never won like a major event in my life. That was that big. I mean, so it was kind of like, 
when I got to the finish, I couldn't believe how many people were there, how many people were like cheering. And I, the longest rig I did was in Palmerton, the hardest one anyways. And I feel like I almost fell off that one. So when I got there, I was just like, dude, this super rig, I was like in my nightmares. I was like dreaming about it. I was like, oh, like I did not practice enough for this thing. And uh, somehow I got like all the way to the end. And the, the problem was I didn't know that you could skip rings. So I thought you had to touch every single piece of it because there is it's like that in the best ranger too. They have a monkey bar on the Derby Queen and you're not allowed to skip runs. Like I can, but you have to touch every one. It's part of the rules. Hmm. So I, I was just like, man, that's going to suck to touch every single one of those. So I, I remember I skipped one and I went back and swung back and touched it just to make sure that <laughs> it wasn't like. At that point, it's the last it. thing. Yeah, it's the last obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> so then I got all the way to the last rope and dude, I had nothing left. Like I, if we had to hit the bell with our hands, I would have been in the burpee pit. Like I just, I could, I was at full, full, like straight up, like grip muscle failure. So luckily I like got the strength to like kick the bell and then boom, that was it, man. It was like, I haven't really been overcome with emotion at many races, but that one, I was just like, I was pretty stoked. My daughter was just born three weeks ago and uh, we weren't obviously sleeping a lot and like, she went to a children's hospital because she had some ambiotic fluid in her lungs when she was born and they had to, you know, rush her over there. And there was, you know, there's a scare for a little while. So we had to stay there for a couple of weeks. So I wasn't really training normal. Um, I was kind of stressed. Hmm. So that, yeah, that was a weird, uh, weird thing. I didn't, I didn't come into it that I thought I could win. Honestly, I was just, you know, I just wanted to do well for the team and then it all just kind of worked out that way. So when I, it actually happened at the finish. I was just like overwhelmed. Like I was like, wow, this just happened, you know? And like, I, um, picked my son up, you know, and put him on my shoulders and like, yeah, it was like pretty rad. Everybody was like coming over and like, congratulations. Like you just won the world championship. And I was like, cool. You know, like I would, I wouldn't know how to react. Um, yeah. It sounds like you just had you had a lot of the preparation in your past and the kind of things that you talked about before is like you, you seem suited even just the tricks that you had to keep your hands warm other people fiddling around with it like knowing like these spinning bars which would be a nice wrinkle for to make the obstacles a little bit more challenging like if they were to spin yeah. all the time it's you know um, but like you just kind of had these things it just kind of worked out to to be your day. So like after that, and then leading into like 2016, after such like a high accomplishment that way, were you looking at this, like, were you totally all in or was there like a thought in your head? like, well, I've done this for like four months and I'm already the world champion. <laughs> was there any thought yeah. about like, do I need to con continue down this road or is there other challenges that might be a little bit more pressing for me? No, there is. So that was a weird thing. So like I said before, I was working full time the way the military works is you have a fiscal year. So it ends September 30th when the budget closes mm. and you have a new budget that starts over October 1st. So my orders actually ended the day after I won Tahoe. It was like September 30th and then October 1st hit. And I, they said they didn't have enough funding to keep me on orders. So literally I had no job. And <laughs> uh, I asked Koble after the race and I was like, you know, he's like, do you want to be on the pro team? And I was like, what is the pro team? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what do it's like, well, you know, you write some blogs, we'll pay you a couple hundred bucks and then we'll pay for travel to some races. And I was like, well, is there any money in it? And they're like, well, you just won like 15 grand and you have like this rig and stuff. And he's like, yeah, there's money in the NBC series. Like, you know, you can probably 
do pretty good. He just won the world championship. And I was like, he's like, what's your social media like? And I was like, I don't have any accounts. I'm, I'm a green <laughs> <Poor. parade. laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, well, you might want to create an account today. So uh, my mother-in-law did that for me. Um, to this day, I still need to know my Twitter login because she created it that day. And I, I've never been on Twitter. Like I, I kind of migrated to to um, Facebook and Instagram like everyone else and primarily mm-hmm. Instagram. Now. But yeah, I didn't really have a plan. So I, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a person of faith and I believe that everything happens for a reason. So I believe that I was meant to be an obstacle course racer for five years because, you know, I no longer had a job. I just, I mean, if there's not a better sign, you just won the world championship. Um, they're offering you a pro team. I was fortunate enough to have Ascent Protein bring me on. Like it was literally their inaugural year. I was taking their supplements out of this like white bucket with no nutrition label, just trusting them like fully. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like, it was like taking Hunter stuff, right? Hootstrong, like trying to, you know, like what's in that stuff? Just take <laughs> it's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. But this stuff was actually like FDA approved and like sports, you know, certified. It's legit. Sport. Yeah. Really yeah. good stuff. So, um, yeah, they, they gave me that opportunity to where, I mean, I wasn't killing it, but I could make enough to, I mean, I have a family and support. So at the end of the day, I mean, that's, in my opinion, what I have to do. I have to support my family financially and I have to be able to do that or we can't, we can't live. You know, we don't have the opportunities to go to, you know, a school in a certain area or we don't, can't pay our rent. We can't live in a certain area. So, hmm. And being a professional athlete was something I've always wanted to do, right? Like I, I told you before, I wasn't super successful because I was always, I never had the time to focus. I would always just do, you know, a one hour workout in the morning and maybe try to do like a little 40 minute weight lifting session during lunch, but it was never really focused to win something. So I was like, it would actually be pretty cool to be like a real pro athlete and just see what happens. Um, put all of my effort, you know, three to four plus hours a day, you know, five days a week into training and just see what I can accomplish Just trial and error because there weren't a lot of training plans out back then, like on how to do a Spartan race um, other than just doing a lot. So that was my plan. I was like, I'm just going to do as many races as I can. I was like, I'm just going to race every weekend. And, 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 and it worked out. I won a lot of money that year just because I did a lot of races and I won them. And it, Cause that was the yeah. thing that when I was looking at it, it, it seemed like, yeah, you went from doing four races to like, 20 or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and you were on the podium at pretty much every nbc race or were they u.s national every race yeah there was i think i went on a two-year run where i just i had gotten like fourth like one time um yeah was, it was pretty rad and like you said like even though i won tahoe i went in it like i'm still very un- unexperienced and yeah as you, as you could see at the exact same venue with way more prep time and way more you know, like experience, it took me five, four years to get back to my second world championship. Like that's title. Like that was just insane to me. Like I was doing all the right things and it just goes to show like how, like the caliber of athlete, if you make one just tiny little mistake, like getting your hands wet, not being able to do the tire flip as fast as you normally do, or missing the spear that I did one year or whatever it is, like you just got to try harder the next year. I mean, it's, it's the worst it's hard to win. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's not easy and guys are really good. I mean, Alvin's tough. Atkins is tough. Um, Cody's tough. Hobie's tough. Like, and there's so many new athletes. I actually thought Luna Lima was going to crush me that year because he did so well in, um, 
Utah. Like Big Bear in Utah. Yeah. We did this, yeah, and we did this big race in Colorado. You run up Bar Trail up to Bar Camp and down. And we were like side by side for the first six miles. And then on the way down, he gapped me about like four minutes or something. And I was <laughs> He's like, nasty I, down. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, if I'm not five minutes ahead of that dude on the way up, like I'm probably going to get beat. But I also did start working on my descending. And I think the snow helped me a lot because a lot of guys are kind of, I don't know, they're, they weren't very confident in their footing. And I was just like, I'm just going to send it. Like if I get hurt, I'm not, I didn't come to get second three, four years in a row. Like I'm just going to bomb it. If I get hurt then too bad, but it ended up working out luckily. And at that 2016 season where it sounds like, cause that was one thing that I was wondering. It's like, yeah, were, were you all, and I kind of asked that. It's like, were you in, but it sounded like it was almost necessity and you know, kind of saw it as the symbol. It's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So let's go into it. And the, and the season went well, but you didn't win Tahoe. But so coming out of that year, how did you feel about just like the performance in general? Because it seems like your fitness was better and like overall the resume was pretty stacked. Um, but you still didn't get like that yeah. big prize. I think for me, I was really just enjoying the experience. Like I had been in the military for five years nonstop. Um, you know, I did a combat deployment. I was down in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Like it's probably the worst duty station you could ever get. Like I'm just being realistic. So <laughs> I did a lot of training while I was down there because there was literally just nothing to do and a lot of drinking. Like I'm not going to lie. Like we drank a lot in the military in your twenties and it was just the culture. Gotta, gotta pass the time. Middle yeah. Of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, I would, you know, I was still training really hard and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, as a hobby. Cause I mean, I was working on cars a little bit and stuff, but, uh, outside of my normal job and then coming out of that, I took a job in Buckley air force base, even when I came off active duty. So I was still in Colorado, but I was still working full time. And, uh, so for me, it was just a new experience, you know, and I, I had mm. been to the, I went to the Q course um special forces course i did some special forces training i did some special forces missions and then you know all that was behind me in 2015 and i was like well this would be pretty cool to take like a break and not have because i had never been on just like national guard status where i was working one weekend a month and i had no other obligations where i could just essentially do whatever i want it was weird right i had this freedom like I didn't have somebody like the government or the military or like, you have to be at this place at this time or, you know, you'll, you'll be counted AWOL and then you're going to get your pay taken away. Like it's like serious consequences. So it was kind of nice to just like have that space to just in time and freedom to, to spend with the family and to really get out into the OCR community and to see like, it's funny. They, they told me like, yeah, join the army. You'll see the world, blah, blah, blah. And then, I'm stuck down in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> I was like, yeah, screw you guys. I was like, I'm gonna be a pro athlete and see the world like it's way better. So I got to see a lot of the United States and I got to go out and like uh, really experience different cultures and different areas and different, you know, West coast, East coast, like places I'd never been before. And the venues are just really, in my opinion, what makes Spartan race so unique and so popular is where they're able to host their races. And it's such an experience. And I, I absolutely love just being out in nature in the mountains and woods, um, you know, just back to being a, a human, like just doing human things with no assistance, no help. You just have, you know, your legs, your arms and a little bit of water and you're just out there like hard charging, you know, just, hmm. just getting after it. Um, and I really enjoyed that, that year and trying to, um, 
yeah, just really get to know everyone. There's so many good people in OCR. I mean, coming from triathlon, it's kind of cutthroat, man. There's a lot of like really high salaried people, nothing against them. I'm just saying it was like, it's a different culture. I think anyone who's done triathlon would kind of feel that like it's more competition based and it's not, you're not out there to help someone get up, you know, over an obstacle or overcome something, or you're not going to go out and do two or three laps. Like you don't have that type of people um, where you do in Spartan and you have like these, you know, military organizations fighting PTSD going out there and doing it with one arm or, you know, missing or a leg or, you know, sight or just suffering from PTSD, mental, you know, stress and overcoming those obstacles and then coming out and doing a race is just, yeah, I was just hooked on it, man. Like that was for me, it was the community more than anything else. And it, it was addicting going out and like, I would stay at the venue to like almost they closed down, you know, and just like, I just really enjoyed talking to people and I enjoyed going out and racing back to back days or even doing like double laps. Like a lot of people weren't into that type of thing. And of course I, I had to do everything that Spartan offered. So 2016 was when I did my perfect Delta. And, uh, so I did a Gogi 001 oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the winter, which was miserably cold. Um, but again, it's just like, it builds on that mindset, right? Like I can always look back and Tahoe felt easy. Everyone's like, Oh, you were swimming in the lake and you didn't even like have a dry bag like Atkins and take all your clothes off. And I'm like, well, I did a Gogi 001 and it was like negative 20 and it's way, like it was way colder. So like literally my eyelashes were freezing when I was blinking. Like that's how cold it was. <laughs> So uh, I was like, you know, you go through those experiences and you, you have that and you can always, it makes you stronger. Like literally it does the human body to me. It's one of the most fascinating things. It, it can adapt to anything. Like you can lack of sleep. Um, you know, you can build it to get stronger. You can, I mean, you can overcome so many things that it's all just in your mindset, but everyone has that, you know, the same time and the same I wouldn't say abilities. There are people that have natural talents that, you know, give them a little bit of edge over someone else. But I would say too, that I'm, I've proven that I'm not the strongest, the fastest, you know, or the one with the most endurance, but somehow like I, I'm, I'm the best at averaging all three of those, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And some races that makes me successful and some, you know, it doesn't like I, I have weaknesses just like everyone else. And I think, you know, going back and figuring out, how to work on those. Um, but the 2016 was really about me doing everything that Spartan had to offer. I want to do the hurricane heats and it, I literally took it all the way to the end. Like I did the full SGX online coach. I did Spartan X, um, Joe's leadership course. And then I, I had Bracken run with me literally the day after Tahoe, after I got third, because that was the only day I could do the ultra beast to get the ultra beast wedge. And I actually had to be in Washington next DC the next day because we had gotten, we had gotten second at the best ranger comp, but the winning team couldn't go to this, like, I think it was like Fox and friends or something. I forgot what we did, but mm -hmm. I, I ended up getting on a, a plane and like flying all the way across the country immediately. Like I literally ran past the finish line into the car with my wetsuit on and got changed <laughs> as we were driving from Tahoe to the airport and got in a car and flew. And my body like was so swollen the next day. I couldn't even get my shoes on. Like we have these leather shoes and it was just like so painful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds so like 2016, it, sorry, in a nutshell. 
And it sounds like that a lot of the approach and the things that were kind of driving you forward were based in joy, right? Like this is something that I'm enjoying. I don't feel like this is an obligation. It's an opportunity as well. And it sounds like that you took that opportunity for everything it was. And then leading into 2017, it seems like you did even more races somehow. Like you, you started getting in the stadiums. There were some tough mutters in there. And I, at, at this point, I was, I think, uh, yeah. And like, so you were really, really doing a lot of races at this point. Were you, was this mindset the same thing or was there, was um, there, were you thinking about results at this point or was it just about getting out and, and enjoying it and enjoying the training and, and just like pushing as much as you can? I would say there's a little bit of both. So 2016 was that year that I got to experience everything for the first time. And I think what's unique about OCR is you can't train for it like a 10K or 5K or a marathon, road race, or even a triathlon. Once you know the venue and you know the elevation and you know like kind of the layout, you can specify your training towards the venue. So I actually started coaching that year. Mm. had a dark horse OCT. And that was one of the things that I felt like I could uniquely give to somebody was I had a personal perspective. I had my course map. I had my data that I took, you know, from Strava or whatever it was. And I could back plan a training, you know, up to what venue you were doing. So I could personalize your program essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started doing that to mentor a little bit more. So I, I had already kind of looked at, you know, I've, I've raced for my, myself now, how do I help other people kind of accomplish their goals? And I didn't really advertise it. People would like, just ask me and I'd be like, yeah, I'll coach you. But if it was weird. So I, I took that mindset of like, I want somebody who's driven, who like, who takes that first step themselves and goes out of their comfort zones. Like I want to seek out somebody who is a pro at this and wants to help me out. And I've been I've actually been let down in the past. Like I reached out to Andy Potts one time. He was like my idol in triathlon and dude, like never even took the time to like, to like message me or anything. And that's cool. You know, he, he's got other obligations, but I never wanted to be that type of person. Like I am very, someone messages me on social. I like try to make it a point to get back to them or help them out or, you know, whatever it is. So I, if somebody got to me, is like, Hey, I want to, be coached by you or can you help me do this? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And I've had some amazing athletes like Tiffany Palmer, Kelly Sullivan. Um, I was coaching Tyler Veerman for a while, um, John Penland. And there's a lot of people like even bringing um, Vince and, and Mark into the sport, you know, from Best Ranger. Mm -hmm. Like it's cool to like have that kind of impact on the sport and to bring, you know, bring that in. So that was kind of 2017, but also kind of what you hit on, like, still got a family to support, right? I still have like a bottom line. So that was big for me. I have a bottom line that I have to make, you know, annually, or I just wouldn't be able to do it. So I, I would start out there and then everything else, you know, like winning races or prize money was considered a bonus, but it's kind of hard too. Cause no one thinks about it. Like you, you, whenever you're a 1099 contractor, you don't pay taxes, like, unless you do it like quarterly. So at the end of the year, you have this massive, like tax, like you have to save money all throughout the year to pay it. And a lot of the prize money is taxed like gambling winnings. Like you're, if you were in Vegas, so it's in like the highest tax bracket. It's crazy. That's crazy. So like, yeah. Like prize money is like just like 70, 31 or something or 69, 31. So they take like 31% like straight <sighs> off. And uh, so that just goes away. And it's, so you got to kind of look at it at that perspective. I, I did enjoy it and I had joy from doing races 
but I also knew and I had this motivation of if I don't win, I can't provide for my family. So that was like, there's, there's some things that'll drive you like mentally to go a little bit, you know, further when you know, it's not necessarily about you. It's about like someone else. Um, and if you don't produce results that day, um, you know, the sacrifices like my wife taking care of the kids, um, what does that show her if I don't win that, you know, my time was maybe not wasted, but I could have, you know, I could have focused it somewhere else. So I feel like it's somewhat of a justification. Like, Hey, if you're out there crushing it, you're doing well, you're winning races, you're providing your, your home more during the week than maybe those weekends that I was gone was worth the sacrifice. Um, mm -hmm. because it, it helped, you know, help meet ends essentially. And I think it's huge too, that they get an inspiration from what I do. You know, my kids love to do Spartan kids race. They love to watch me on YouTube. So that was awesome too, is like, they'd have the live feed and, you know, me mentally knowing that my kids were watching me while I was racing was such a, a motivation and a driving factor. Um, hmm. Especially in 2017, like 18, those were the best years of like NBC and like just really good coverage and really good um, interviews we would do. And like the pro team was really like, you know, tight and strong and we would like stay in, you know, like, shared the vrbos together we'd get rental cars it was um you know we'd help each other out it was i really felt like those were the golden years um and i'm sure we'll get to this in a bit but just yeah i feel like that's gone away and it's such a like to be a part of that like initially and to see the growth and i really worked with jody i a lot about how we manage the pro team the, you know, appearance fees, kind of the obligations that you have to sync with their company objectives, and as well as the partner and sponsorship teams, how we can all work together. And it has to be a team effort. And I think, you know, we've kind of lost that, um, obviously, with COVID and with some of the impact and turnover in employees. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that the new leadership and, you know, the people who will come in will continue to kind of seek pretty much guidance and, you know, the insights that we have from the pro team members from years and years of experience of what went right and what we think could change and what the future of the sport could look like. And that was one of the things I was trying to do with USAOCR. Um, I was the co-chairman of that in Colorado Springs under the modern pentathlon, but that's like a, that's like a different animal and different podcast of funding and support and, mm -hmm. And trying to get behind the sport under the Ted Stephen, you know, Sports Act. Um, that's the governing law of sport. So before one of Joe's, you know, objectives was getting Spartan into the Olympics, which it can never happen because if you understand the Ted Stephen Sports Act, you understand how sport legislation works under the Olympic Committee. It has to be a nonprofit organization and a governing body and a sport. So the sport is OCR. OCR for the Olympics. Um, and it could be, you know, similar obstacles to Spartan, but it's never going to be Spartan in the Olympics. It's going right. to be OCR. And it's leaning more towards short course now and ninja style, like very fast and furious. Um, you know, that's what's spectator friendly potentially. But uh, that's, you know, the type of stuff that I was interested in is driving the sport forward and how do we get to that type of level because it is, it's, it's more exciting than a lot of dying sports. 
Um, and there's a lot more participation. And I think there's a lot of room for growth and spectator, you know, it's exciting. Like it's so exciting when it's a close race and when, you know, all the top guys are there. Um, maybe not so much for a two hour beast, but, uh, we, we, yeah. try to do the best we can, but that's why, like I was saying before, and in 2017, particularly, I want to do the stadium races. I, that is mm -hmm. by far my favorite format. I think, you know, Anthony Yepes, when he was working there and myself tried to push it so many times, like the stadium series is where it's at. It's short course. There's no mud. There's obstacle dents. There's excitement. There's the infrastructure for fast connectivity. Like, why aren't we just doing all the races there and the live feeds or at least one or two out of the, the series would be awesome. And I think it would mm. be a pretty epic venue, but you know, a lot of people like the outdoors and the longer endurance and the suck factor. Um, and that's what the world championship is based on. So, yeah, from a participation standpoint, you're saying, right? Like the, the general people who yeah. are participating in, in Spartan would rather go out into the mountains than yeah. like a stadium. But if you look at, you know, numbers, the stadium races do crazy numbers too. Like they're in big cities and they can get between, you know, four to 5,000 people a day, especially up in Boston for a two day. That's like eight to 10,000 yeah. people almost. So they, they more approachable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's not as scary. You know, you're only doing like right. a two mile, but it is a lot more obstacles, which is, it's an obstacle race, not a running race. And we've gotten kind of more into that, like, it's, it's you're not going to lose a race if you fail an obstacle anymore at the beast distance. Um, you know, it's more at the, you know, the super and the sprint. It's, it's going to be who's the faster runner. But that's just, it's me. a, it's a trail race. <laughs> it's a trail yeah. race with like some grit. Like if you need to have a moderate level of like hand and grip strength and just like the know how to get through the obstacles. Like it's not, it's hardly like a fitness contest. Even it's just like a trail race at this point for like the longer yeah. stuff. And I think there's other, brands that are starting to give us that and that was another thing you know you're asking we did all these spartan races and you know part of our con we did some tough mutters i was like yeah do you know how many conversations and how long i had to get to do those tough mutters because spartan race has exclusivity on your races just even and do them at all yes i can't do any outside races unless i get approval when i'm a contracted athlete for spartan and a lot of people didn't understand that they like, want you go to this race and this race i was like well i can't like have a contract so what I did, I was like, well, Atkins and he's like Battle Frog and Tough Mudder and, you know, these other athletes. I was like, why don't you send? And I was like, they're sending him to wear their shirts on your podium. I was like, why don't you just help me out and go to a few Tough Mudders and we'll promote Spartan. And they're like, oh, wow, that actually sounds like a good idea. I was like, yeah, no shit. So, you know, give me a shirt and we'll go out there and, you know, help me with my race entry fee. Like I wasn't getting a ton of money. It was like, you know, they just helped me get my race entry and. Yeah, uh, you know, a little stifling to get to the race. So I did and all the seventeen, and or they they started paying out tough mutters in eighteen, right? Two thousand seventeen, were they paying the, out? Yeah, I think that was just for the like shorter distance races, the tougher, um, tougher. Yes, correct. Tougher. I don't know if they had toughest yet. I don't know if they had the eight hour format. I think that was two thousand eighteen. I don't think it was seventeen. Yeah, but I could be okay. wrong. I'm pretty sure um, it's eighteen. Yeah, I think it was eighteen. Because uh, that was when the year I did not get. Yeah, no wait. Six, 16 was a year I like. I got so cold. I didn't realize you had to run in a wetsuit. So I think I only got like fifty miles. And then eighteen. I can't remember what I did in eighteen. I got. I think I got. I don't know if that was the year I did second. And that I world's got, toughest. You're saying? Yeah, no. I think that's the year I did it with Chad, and we both did like a hundred. And then the yeah, world's toughest. And then the next year I did it by myself and got a hundred and five. 
and they're but, paying up for that now. Like that, yeah, that's a good. No, it's a good race. Um, and yeah, Trevor's always tough. I mean, there's some tough people that go to that. Um, Batchers is nasty. 115. Yeah, dude, he's he's savage, man. There's he's a lot of guys that are coming out like Beerman and Mark. They're like doing really well in these ultras. Like, it would have been awesome to have like all of us in not like a Sweden environment, but have everybody at like a Tough Mudder without all the championship races at the end of the season and yeah like, i think that's what you're talking about earlier in the podcast is how do we get to the future of the sport and i think going back to having a shorter season where we're not getting injured and we're not expected to go from a sprint all the way up to an ultra um, there's no specific specificity you know there's like some athletes who just want to focus on ultra maybe like Rhea. there's some people who maybe just want to focus on deca and stadium like kent but he's pretty well versed in all distances mm-hmm. and same with like vj like he he doesn't not like beasts. He's just taking a smart approach. Kid's like 20. He's not trying to like walk on crutches when he's, there's a certain, you know, threshold that you have three to four years into a Spartan where you do it full time. Your body can only take so much. And I think that's sort of a lot of the people don't understand that manage the athletes. Like if, if they haven't done a Spartan race before, how are they supposed to understand how we feel and how our bodies are being broken down? You know, this like, all right, we got to be at this race. You got to do this. You got to do that. I'm like, no, nah, man, that's not how it works. Like we need recovery time. We need time to focus on goals. It takes six months to build up to that goal, that one thing. Like you only get to see us on race day. You don't see everything we're doing behind the scenes and like, you know, the time that, you know, you might be injured and have to take a couple of weeks off or you have a couple of training races you want to do just to shake the cobwebs off some of the obstacles you haven't seen before or to try a new nutrition product or to try a new shoe or to test your equipment. Oh, you can do that in training. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you never raced before. You don't understand. You have to do it in training or, or out of training in a race because that that's where you're going to be doing, you, you know, you train like you race. Um, and if you race a training race to get ready for a normal big A race, that's just every, every coach knows that. It's called a B race. You have A races and you've got to focus on one or the other. You know, it's like everyone asks is- me, why do you do so many races? I'm like, they're B races. I'm training through them. I'm not trying to win them. He's like, yeah, but you still won. I was like, or this guy almost beat you like, by 30 seconds. And I was like, yeah, but I, I put in like 50 miles this week and I wasn't tapering. I was like, I, I'm expecting him not. I, he should have beat me. Like, I'm shocked that he didn't, you know? This is one thing that I did want to ask you about that kind of leads from 17 to 18 even. And, and stop me if you got if you got to run. But um, yeah, just let me know. But uh, in 17... It's because I thought the same thing coming from just like traditional endurance. My, my background's like track and field, cross country, whatever. It's like very periodized. There's a very specific competition period. And it's like you you build up for that. You hit some specific, specific races and then it's your A race. And then in 2017, Cody Moat didn't really do too many of the other races along the season and came out to Tahoe and then really smashed everybody had a great race and it seemed like he kind of took that and was like you know what i don't need to do all these races let me just pick my spot and then in 2018 this seemed like it was the first year where you weren't always on the podium but it seemed like in the middle of the year right around palmerton even you just started to really kind of crank and then you started to win a lot of the races in the back half of the year did you change your strategy around training and racing in that time or was that just kind of like a byproduct of the life that you were living at, like for training and everything. No, that was a hundred percent intentional. So I, that was one of the things I was looking at is I'm a strategist. So I look at my competition, how potentially they're successful, you know, or did something smarter that I didn't do or 
yeah, maybe I was racing too much at that. That's why I had that three year mark that I was talking about. I felt like tired. Like mm-hmm. my knees were hurting. I injured my, uh, I had sciatica. I had um, piriformis syndrome and I was like, I wasn't, so I was just training and I wasn't doing all the mobility that I was, I should have been doing. I wasn't doing the right strength training that I should have been doing. I was just running mountains. So I had a muscle imbalance. My quads were outpowering everything else in my body and just causing mm-hmm. All the, all my running mechanics were completely off, and to be honest, I'm still recovering from that. Like, and I think coming down to elevation and being here in DC, it's a different type of transition. Now I'm doing more flat running, but I think it overall in the long run it'll be better for me. But it's taking me longer to build back, and a lot of people don't understand that like difference between mountain running and flat running. And I'm like, well, essentially, you know, a guy who can run a 14 minute 5k, you take him in the mountains, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it means a little bit, but it really doesn't mean a lot if he hasn't mm-hmm. been training in the mountains or he hasn't been doing a lot of quad centric stuff and vice versa. You know, you take a, a really fast mountain runner and you put him in a road race and he's going to get slaughtered. It's just, they're two different formats and you have to approach, approach them differently. You have to train for them differently. So I did look at Cody and Hobie as well. They used to just go out and do the Vegas race early in the season to qualify for Tahoe. And they would do nothing the rest of the year but prep and really have these really good training periods. And they would go periodization cycles and they'd go on and off. And uh, even Alvin was doing it. You know, he, mm-hmm. I, I made a big stink about it because I thought it was a big deal that Spartan made this. I'm a, I'm a rules guy. They made this specific rule of how you have to qualify for worlds. Mm-hmm, I remember that. One race. And I was like, well, this guy didn't. We were, we were right before West Virginia and I won West Virginia. And Joe is like, who do you think your biggest competition is going to be for Tahoe? And I was like, I don't know. Cause Alvin can't go. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you made this rule. Do you see it on your website? He hasn't done a single race this year. So he hasn't officially qualified. And they were <laughs> they had like, to check. Oh. it's like, do we make that rule? Let's check. Yeah, it. Let's I, was like, I don't care. Like it, I mean, if you say the top 10 from the previous year can make it. Okay. That was cool. And that's what they ended up changing the rule to. So I was like, but <laughs> That's not what it says right now. So you, you might want to relook at your rule because that's how I strategize. You know, I look at that. I was like, well, same thing with the ultra, you know, like ultra worlds, like they wouldn't let people compete in Sweden because they hadn't done a race that year. They hadn't qualified. So I think that's an important step for a sport is qualification standards. And that was one of the things we were looking at standardizing and looking at making it more professional. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of intentionally throttled off and I wanted to focus more on the later half of the season when all the championship races were, I was finding that if you tried to crush yourself at all the series events, you would just deplete the gas tank by the end of the year. And it was cool as long as everyone else was doing it. But if you right. had that one guy <laughs> who was just saving up, I was like, there's no way you could beat him. There's just, and that was and Cody Moe. Yeah. yeah. Like later and in his Moe, career. It happened four years in a row. Check mm. your records. It started because Hobie did it once. Hobie. Yep. And then Cody and then Albin. Albin. And then I did it. I did, did it in 2019. Everyone, because mm-hmm. I hurt my, I, I tore my MCL and my ACL in March, uh, best ranger training. And everyone's like, you're not even going to be able to walk. My doctor is like, you have to get surgery. And I was like, I'm not getting surgery. Like I'm going to, I want to, I want to run this season. You know, I don't want to be out injured for an entire season. So I was like, I'll just focus on Tahoe. I, I hung everything up and I was like, I don't care if I get last or second. I'm just going to go to the races and try to build um, my fitness through races, race my way into shape is what we call it. So. What was that? What was that like for you? Because yeah, 2018 had a little bit of that. I mean, 
you were getting I me. Mean, you would get fourth, which was a showing for you that was outside of the ordinary. Maybe like an eighth place, I think I saw in there in some yeah. of the national series races. And then, but in 2019, it was just like 15. almost, yeah, right. Well, yeah, no, way, I, way down there. <laughs> I don't know. It was like one of those things where I, I didn't really, I don't need to win races to justify. I've done so much in my career. Like, I don't need to justify anything to anybody. Like, I've done more things that. Like I still, I still don't believe that I've done the things that I've done. It just blows my mind. Um, so I don't think it was about winning at that point. It was really about what I wanted. Um, and then trying to figure out, I don't know. I wouldn't say it gets monotonous, but you got to You always got to come up with new goals. You know, like it's hard to be like, all right, I've already won this or I've done this. I've, I've accomplished this goal. Like what's next? Like what's next? Oh, you just got to go faster or you got to beat this guy. I was like, well, I already beat this guy four or five times. Oh, you got to beat him again. I was like, and it was kind of cool because you had this rivalry between me, Hunter, and like Atkins. And then when Hunter left the scene, then it was just like really me and Atkins. Then Hobie came on, just crushed us. And it was really like Hobie and Atkins because I was, I was kind of back there in the back. And then after that year, I never really had, I felt like a good, I mean, Atkins is always my rival, but um, like a good battle that I was excited to like, beat or race or or you know like really be challenged by somebody so for me i was just trying to focus on the big races because those are the big payouts and those are you know obviously i'm good at the mountain courses and i mean you're a silly person if you're not playing towards your strengths i mean that's just i think that's what everyone does when they're looking at racing is you know what are you the strongest at um like, what do you how, like doing do you, yeah how do you like yeah, training what are you the weakest at because that's what you yeah. got to work on too but if you can minimize, you know, your weaknesses, but really like, you know, stress, cause that's like, that's like me and triathlon, right? Like I didn't grow up swimming. I had a triathlon coach. He's like, dude, you just got to hammer the bike and hammer the run. Cause it doesn't matter how much time we spend in the pool. Like you're just not getting to the level that the other guys are at, but you're so much better than them at running and biking. If you just put more effort into that, you can make up the time later. So I was like, right on dude. That's a good plan. Let's just <laughs> knock it out. So it's kind of that same thing. If I know I'm really good at uphill running, I'm just going to create a bigger gap that they can't catch me on the downhill because I'm not as good as descending. So it's just, you know, checks and balances then and hoping that you made, you know, made up enough time where they don't get you. Cause dude, I was straight flat in 2019. I had nothing. I had nothing at the, um, the box before that second climb. I don't even know. Like I, I laid on the top of the box for a couple seconds. If you go back and watch the ESPN uh, video or on YouTube, like I'm just sitting there just like trying to figure <laughs> out. Like, I didn't cramp or anything. I was just like, dude, I'm really tired and I have like a lot of race left. So I was like, this is where I've lost it the past three years. Cause I, but I specifically, when we moved to Colorado Springs, I had a route that I would always do a second big climb after my long runs. And it helped me so much for that race. Um, and that's what I thought about when I was laying on the box. I was like, all right, man, you prepared for this. I just had to take a deep breath and then uh, really like, you know, stay in the moment and just take it, you know, one obstacle at a time. But um, yeah, it ended up working out. But those guys made up a lot of time on me in that obstacle gauntlet down there. I think Newell went through that whole section like a minute faster than me. But yeah, I, he, just, he just didn't have the juice for the run. I'm like, Yeah, that second climb, I mean, that was the thing I – it's done that every year. Whoever wins that second climb and descent is, is the winner, man. And I've, I've lost it. I mean, both times to, I've lost it. To, I've been passed. I was in first. I've been passed by Cody or not. It was a uh, Atkins and Albin same time. Mm -hmm. I got third. 
And I've been past, you know, a couple other times for mis either missing the spear or the tire flip, but that, that year in particular, I, I was like, oh, it's not happening, dude. I'm just going to run as fast as I can up and then just bomb the downhill and, and hope it's enough. So it was. And the preparation leading into it, right? Like that's kind of a through line through a lot of this stuff, right? Like you like to prepare, you like to know what, what, like look at everything and make sure that you're going to be as prepared as possible with, within your training. Um, do you, do you think about your legacy? Like at this point, are you thinking about your legacy in the sport or where's your mind at now? What's, what's next? Yeah. Well, that was a big thing, right? With COVID. So I was coming off such a high, man. I just won 2019 Spartan world. Second time I had mapped out this amazing schedule, dude. I was like, all right, my big goal now is to go international. I had already been going to Europe to Austria, my favorite venue. I would do it as my last big train up before Tahoe every year. And everyone still was like, why are you doing a big race three weeks before and the, you know, 5,000 feet of elevation gain. And I was like, this race is the hardest race I've ever done. And it makes Tahoe look easy, like hmm. honestly. And it's a trifecta weekend. So once I came out of that weekend, Tahoe was like a joke. It was like, all right, that was my last big, hard, like race and workout. Um, and I'll, I, it just mentally prepared me for Tahoe. But uh, I wanted to be the first person to ever win and podium on every continent that a Spartan race is offered. No one's done it. So that was going to be my big 2020 plan. I had it all <laughs> mapped out, had all my scheduling book. I had reached out to all the franchise owners. Um, David Watson, of course, tried to keep me away from Australia and some of the other European or, you know, franchise owners because I hadn't signed the pro team. And he was like, you can't talk behind my back. You're not authorized to do that. And I was like, actually, I'm a free agent. I can do whatever I want. Like, you can't tell me what to do. But I thought that was a really low blow as he was trying to say that, you know, don't support Killian to come over here and do these races. And I'm it's like, petty. yeah. And I was like, I'm the world champion. Why would you want me to go compete internationally and, you know, represent the brand like that. I just, I couldn't figure it. I still can't figure it out. But anyway, so that's kind of some beef between us that we've had for a couple of years. And, um, I didn't get to obviously execute that. So my first race was going to be in Malaysia, right in March, like when COVID was first, first kicking off and they canceled that race. And I was like, ah, oh, well maybe, you know, there's another one in the year. This won't be a big deal. And then of course it was a big deal. And it still was a big deal. <laughs> Turns uh, out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was really weird. Um, in hindsight, it was awesome to have a lot more time with my family and to change my priorities a little bit. I think that kind of showed in my my performance in 2021 and even some of the races at the beginning of 2020 because that was the thing, right? Like I went after Spartan, I went to do the million dollar challenge, you know, chase the little carrot that Joe's hanging in front of your face. And mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible though. It's, it was annoying. Like I got, I got really mentally defeated in Sweden trying to run like my knee hurt. It was cold. I, I had one goal was I wanted to stay on pace to get the million dollars until I couldn't anymore. I had no aspirations of winning the race. I didn't care to finish. I just wanted to see how long I could go before it was impossible to get the million dollars. And it was only 30 miles. And I was like, this is pretty lame. Nah, so it's like not even, yeah, it's like not even that long of a time. You're just like, all right, yeah. why am I, what well, am I even and doing I still here? Did 50. I was like, all right, I'll do 20 more. I try to, you know, I was trying to stay motivated. And then I was like, yeah, at the, at the end. And Alvin did the same thing in Iceland, you know, mm -hmm. he, once he realized it and it's, it's, it sucks, you know, cause you're like, all right, it's attainable. 
you know, you're motivated to really stay on that pace. And then you're like, I can't even get close. If Atkins can only do 80 and he had to do 110, he was 30 miles off. I mean, if he can't do it, nobody can do it. So it was, yeah, it was kind of frustrating. So I just wanted to take some time off. And then they're like, oh, well, you got the, you know, February Jacksonville. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to, I don't want to train through the winter for Jacksonville. Like it's such a drag. So it's like, I don't know. That's probably not the right mindset. So then I'm pretty much like, well, if every race, if every series in the race counts and I don't want to perform in Jacksonville, then who cares about the series? You know, that was kind of my mindset. I just want to do my international races. And that's where Spartan had a big problem. They were like, well, we're not going to contract you unless you do the series. And I was like, well, all right, well, if you don't take our athlete considerations, why don't you make it three out of five races? And then I I'll show up for Jacksonville, but I'm not going to, if I don't do well, then that pretty much puts me out of contention for the entire series. The way mm -hmm. the points used to be based where you only had like, then, then they did change it to where if you won, you got like a big gap or, you know, you did right. top it, it, four, I think. Yeah. It meant a lot more. So then you could be like, but then again, same thing. If you got like 12th or something, then you're just screwed, you know? So okay. I was like, well, this, this isn't good. This point, you know, this point thing isn't really advantageous. So. So yeah, then 2020, I didn't get to race any of my international races that I wanted to do. And obviously we didn't get to do um, Tahoe. So I went and did tactical games, which is pretty rad. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a good time doing that until I got injured in November, which again was like right at the end of the year. And then again, right before 2021 Jacksonville. So I was just like, I'd, I couldn't run for almost eight weeks. Mm. And I think I ran about two weeks before Jacksonville. And again, I sucked. I got like 12th or 15th or something. But I mean, I, I knew I would be more upset if I went into it, you know, and being fit and got beat versus like, hey, I know I'm still building back. And a lot of this season was the same thing. I, um, I had to take on a full-time job because I wasn't making any money anymore um, without the ability to execute my contracts, um, especially for Spartan, you know, helping with travel and getting prize money. Because, you know, I have monthly expenditures, but that was where I was really able to make a living was um, getting the support to travel to the races and then being able to keep the majority of the prize money versus having to spend that money on travel and on other things. So when that kind of hit, we started dwindling into our savings. And I was like, well, I've had an awesome run. I'm a two-time world champion. I've, you know, accomplished a lot. Like you said, now it's like about building a legacy. Um, you know, I do have a goal of 100 elite podiums so i'm still working on that that's my where you at 75 was uh right. dallas this year so i think i did i did like five after that though i've been crushing it the past few races it sucks that i feel really good and i feel like i could do pretty well in abu dhabi but um there's just too many there's too many other things going on in my life that i've i've had to sacrifice and they've had to sacrifice and I don't feel like it's fair if I went again. So I want to try to focus my time um, kind of on my family and on my career because everyone knows I can't really retire from OCR. I don't think anyone can these days. So you really got to, I'm back into like, Hey, I have a full-time job and I'm doing it for fun, but I also am really competitive. So I do want to still win and I still want to do races. So next year and you know, this um, off season, things have slowed down. You know, last year I was with the Capital Mission. It was very busy. And then I went to ILE, Commanding General Staff College. Very busy. So the fact that I was even able to go to Dallas and run an ultra, I don't even know how I did that 420, blew my mind. 
I was only running like five to 20 miles a week. I'll happily show you guys my Strava. <laughs> Cause I was like, it was funny. Like uh, Chris Brown came to me. He's like, dude, I thought you were like out of shape. And I was like, dude, I don't know how I pulled that off. I was like, I was like, I figured I'd just run with you for the first lap. And I knew you'd lead me somewhere in the second lap, but uh, it really came through. Like, I think if I had been running, I could have stayed with him. But those last 13 miles, I mean, his, you know, 70 or he's, 60. He's a beast. Yeah. yeah. He's just, right. he's, he's, he's good at that distance. Yeah. And, uh, and it was fun though. It really rekindled that fire. And then I went out and did the sprint the next day, won that, um, won a few stadiums this year, won angels, uh, went out and did DC, won that, won Palmerton both days. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I had a pretty good season, even though I didn't get to do some of the NBC races. Uh, again, it was just really bad timing and Asheville was even bad timing. Um, didn't work out well with what I was doing and my training and all that. And, and that's what sucks. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, Killian's washed out. He's injured. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, do I have to prove myself? You know, like, I don't know that I, I do anymore. I think like you were saying before, I, I've had a plan and I've had a structure to what I've done in the past and this past year, I would say. And, I haven't, I've just been kind of like throwing mud on the wall, whenever it sticks, whatever I can do, whether I'm prepared or not, I show up. And, and I think this past month and a half has all been my mindset. Really. It's it's like, I, I have not been the fastest or the strongest and I know I haven't been in the best shape, but somehow I just pulled out the wind because I, I just wanted it. I just wanted to win. And I really, everyone's like, Oh, you weren't, you weren't beating like, these, you know, top athletes, I was like, dude, Mad Rock is fast. Like Galdet beast. Is fast. Yeah. Um, like these guys aren't like yeah, it isn't like it used to be where you show up for a B race and you can just expect to win. Like there's guys showing up for even Battery showed up when I went to Angel Stadium. I haven't had like a race where there hasn't been like a hundred elite athletes, but there was always like a top contender there and we were always like having an actual like close race like um and it was a lot of fun like uh and yeah if you guys don't think vince is fast like keep sleeping on that dude and let me know what happens so seriously and even at the <laughs> nationals park with Riker and logan in the same race like yeah these these race you can't show up to a race and just walk no yeah yeah and that was that was yeah i was i mean that's that's one of the races that I thought was awesome. You know, it's just like, cause Logan is a beast. I mean, he got third at OCR worlds this year. He got and, third in that uh, race and missed two obstacles in a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> dude, no, trust me. I couldn't believe when he missed the spear and then missed the rig too. And granted it's just 15 burpees, but still it's like, still. I couldn't believe he came back. Like he definitely would have beaten me or it would have been a lot more fun of a race anyways. But uh, yeah, I was fortunate to win that one. Um, well, cool, man. It still sounds like you got some juice. Sounds like yeah. there's still some some passion flowing there. So so next year you're thinking the international stuff. I mean, if things clear up. No. So yeah, 2022. I don't know yet. I'm still kind of in the works. I mean, my job, my career is still a priority. I've I put it off for six years to be a pro athlete. So I've you know kind of checked that box in my life. Um, I'm not saying I'm retiring, but I am kind of retiring. I think from like you were saying in 17, 18 days are over where I'm doing 25, 28 races a year. Um, and now again, just getting back to mentoring, I'm fortunate enough to be on the national guard endurance team. We just went out to Arizona and had a race. We competed in Jacksonville earlier this year. I got to do four events with, um, 
wounded veterans this year. It's the most I've mm-hmm. ever done between Operation Enduring Warrior and Bravo Sierra. So like getting out with them more, I think that's now for me is more the experience of the race. And uh, there will be some races that I want to win. And um, I'm stoked to see, you know, hopefully we'll get some some of the perks back from the pro team or there'll be a little bit of change on how they do things. They have some ideas floating around. Talk to Steve Hammond about it. I won't give you guys any of the details because I don't know if they want me to talk about it. But I think we're moving in the right direction finally. I'm hoping. Like uh, I would just say that. Like I probably haven't been the most positive person on social about that, but I feel like it's something that somebody needs to take a stance because you can't just be the nice, you know, guy all the time, or you can't just be super positive when things really aren't going the way they should. Um, I think you should have that freedom to be like, Hey, this sucks. And I think you should change it or I'm going to go do something else. And that's fine if you don't, but I think, and it's fine if I do, you know, someone else will just come in and maybe they'll like it. But if it starts to elude, you know, my enjoyment, then, naturally i'm not going to be as passionate um other athletes feel like that and you won't see as good of a race it won't be as exciting it doesn't drive the sport forward so and i think it's awesome kind of like what you're doing is you know doing more of the functional fitness there's so many other opportunities out there and i think that's what i've been trying to explore too this year i did some savage races that i've never done before hmm. um some, some deca stuff out there yeah. 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 So I got to throw in that stuff and now I'm feeling like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I have to do a hard evaluation this winter because again, you got to, at our level, you really got to specify on something if you want to do well at it, or you're always going to be the second or third, you know, you're never going to win that particular event because there is that one guy who's just focusing on that one thing and he's hard mm-hmm. to beat. Um, but yeah, I think the next uh, race, we're already lining up January DecaFit in Austin. So, are oh, you gonna head down to that? Yeah, the National Guard team is gonna go. That's our tryouts for the year. Oh, nice. So that'll kind of kick me off, and then um, I think they're still putting out. Haven't seen a whole lot of detail about the series, but I think it is in Jacksonville again. But I think they might do the thing where they count like three races again instead of five. So that's nice well, for the athletes. Yeah, I, they haven't I think announced it, everything, but. They haven't announced them all, but they definitely did Jacksonville. They're doing San Luis Obispo like they were supposed to. I think that's March. And then yep. Big Bear in May is what yeah, they have out. beautiful out there too and slow. Um, that's where my National Guard unit is in California. So I was oh, really nice. looking forward to doing that race and trying to bring some of my soldiers that I work with out there. But um, beautiful area. Like the weather's great. There's pretty good rolling hills in the uh the wine country there depending on where the actual venue is there could be some pretty good climbs um so it sounds uh, like all in all um you would do either way whatever happens in terms of competition you still have this mission to like drive the sport forward even like working with different with the usa ocr and and taking that taking those stands right like that is part of the, the things that need to be done and to be said and we can't just accept what's given to us all the time if it's not going to be advantageous for us so it seems like a lot of the 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 position that you're taking is like what's going to be good for this sport not necessarily what's going to be good for for me as an individual Um, yeah and i can take those risks now right like some athletes do reach out to me because they're like dude i'm so scared to tell spartan this because they'll cut my contract or i'll burn this bridge and i'm like the tough love guy like i'm like i'll just tell them like you know just talk to them or 
I don't just go to them with problems. I, I present solutions and I, I tell them like, why don't, why don't we not just do it this way, but why don't we do it this way? And this is why, or this is the value we can add. Um, we're not just asking for something. We want to provide you with something and we want to be a partner. We don't just want to take things or we aren't just saying like, you should do this for this because it was done in the past. Yes, it was done in the past, but also we did these things um, that provided value in exchange for that, you know, type of sponsorship. Or mm -hmm. if you're going to mm -hmm. have this type of exclusivity, like we finally got away from podium shirts because Spartan makes a ton of money, you know, on Rakuten and Kraft logos that we're wearing on their kit. And they advertise that, you know, we're going to be wearing that. We're not at the table when they make that deal. We don't get a piece of that pie, but they are. So we're like, well, we have these other sponsors who are paying us. Why can't we wear those logos on the podium? Because they're the ones who paid for us to get to this race. And finally, you know, I, I guess for the last latter part of the season, I mean, it's such a small win, but it's better than nothing. We got to wear, you know, our sponsors shirts on the podium and it's, it's in the right direction kind of helps, you know, we're not trying to be track and field rule 40 or the Olympics where they have, you know, complete exclusivity over the rights, but apparel is one of your biggest sponsors. And if you have a mm -hmm. kit um, that's mandated that you wear and you're not able to necessarily put all your logos on it, um, unless they're also partners of Spartan, like they're not telling you, Oh, well you can't put a good year because we're Yokohama. And I, you know, I agree with that. Um, but at, at a certain extent, like, well, then you have to, you know, meet me in the middle maybe with the compensation that I would be making taking that deal versus what, you know, I could be having with you guys. So there's a little bit of a compromise there. Um, yeah. I mean, since they gave backs a little bit, like you said, it's got to be baby steps since they had such so much leverage, right? Like, and they had the athletes scared, <laughs> like, like you mentioned, yeah. it's like, well, we don't, we, st this is a, a cool opportunity and really it is we owe a lot to them and we want to kind of continue down that road so that us as athletes can continue to train the way we want to and, and perform in this sport the way that we hope to. But when they have so much leverage, man, it, it is like, when is it's too hard much? and it's there's a hard no power balance. Yeah, there's no power balance. And it's hard too. like, um, when you have new things that have spawned now, like you have Spartan games that takes a massive amount of the budget that mm -hmm. used to go to the pro team. And it's only, you know, and it's, and it's an invite only. And they invite people. Yeah. And the thing about this year is frustrating is if you were in the military, in the army, particularly, they wouldn't let you attend. That was an air. With Rachel, the Rachel Vonderak thing. That was. And myself. They, they would. Did that, they're they like, did that to you too? Anybody who's army, they're like, hey, we can't even like invite you because the air force specifically said, and they're the ones who are paying the prize money and sponsoring the event. And I'm like, well, that sucks. You know, it's like, absurd. Cool. It's absurd that that they would the Air Force would care so much, and then Spartan would just be like, "Okay, that makes sense." It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> these are, these are like the know. athletes. You want the best athletes or not? Yeah, and so I think I mean it's an awesome you know it's an awesome event, and I think it's it's worthwhile. But again, you know, is that the company objectives have changed so much, and I don't necessarily see or you know that they've included the pro team in there at all anymore. I don't know what because we have what influencers now. We have ambassadors. Um, we have, you know, master coaches who have never done a Spartan race before. They have now, but, you know, at the time. So it's kind of just looking at, you know, like where maybe they've gotten, they feel everything out of us that they can. And now, you know, we're not a lot of value, but 
I, I don't know. Like, I think it, again, it's, I think it's positive moving forward. I think Steve's going to do a really good job. Um, he has a lot more experience on, you know, how we feel as racers and, you know, how things operate on the ground level versus at the headquarter level. And I is think, he taking um, Nathan's job? Is he now the Nathan? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think, uh, and I think he might even be doing what David was doing a little bit more so that David could do oh. other things and not focus so much on the protein or great, not focus on the protein and focus on other things, but do other stuff. Yeah. So we'll do, your your yeah, skills we'll are probably best used elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens to that. I, I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I don't not like the guy, but I, I could go down a long list of historical things that weren't the greatest decisions that were literally made by that single person. So, yeah, we don't know what's on his plate, like what his actual things are, what their objectives are. They don't seem to share those type of things. It's just like the weird message delivered by the messenger sometimes that's like, what what's actually happening here? Yeah, and it's not thought out. I mean, but that's the thing. So um, I we tried to, so right before COVID last year, we had that big like pro protest, protein protest. We we had a big talk with Joe DeSena and, you know, the Spartan higher ups about just communication. And Nicole and myself were deemed, you know, the team captains and we would help facilitate communication. So I think that's the bottom line is we've seen it communicate better. And I think we're doing a mm -hmm. good job with that with Steve already. But then you look like Nicole's already like, she's awesome. She's got her own team, you know, like athletes that are, you know, women's pro team and she's trying to bring some elites into the sport. You got Hunter out there doing, you know, OCR stars. He's like, screw it. I'm just going to do my own thing, do it better. Um, and, you know, run, if he doesn't like it, he's, I, I really like their stance. Um, Mine is a little bit different. I'm just going to go work for the military and I'm passionate about that job and that career. So that's something that I wanted to pursue and, and kind of finish out. But um, yeah, I would say if, if, if there was an opportunity to work for Spartan um, or if there was something that I could pay the bills, I would love to give more into the sport in that facet. But right now, I mean, I just can't, it was, it was hard for me to justify the time. I only have so much time. Time is so limited. Um, and trying to spend that, um, without any compensation is it's a hard sell sometimes. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to have a guy on the inside though. If you could be up in headquarters. Just yeah. Make, just make it. Well, I have, I mean, I've been, I know it. I, well, I used to know everybody. Now everyone's changed out. I mean, you still got Kobol around, you still got, um, Steve, but I mean, we used to have like Norm, we used to have Tommy Mack, um, Mike Morris is an awesome guy. We used to have Susie Petrowski who would help us out with sponsorship. Um, I think Sam Murphy's still up there, Ryan Colburn and some of the build team, you know, characters out there and Woody. And I mean, we, you just get to know them and like on a personal basis. And it's so much easier if you just communicate and talk to each other to get stuff done. But um, now with Anthony Yepes gone to like, I don't know any of the social media team. I don't know any of the sponsorship team. I don't know any of the, like hardly any of the race directors. Um, you know, I'll introduce myself or Woody will introduce me to whoever they're training. But I feel like, yeah, that continuity now um, hasn't been rebuilt because I was racing so much and I would see a lot of the same people and I would talk to them and get to know them and they'd be at the events or I do meet and greets with sponsors and stuff like that. But it's, you know, since COVID, I mean, everyone's seen this, everything's just changed and we're trying to still figure it out, even going into this next year, um, what everything's going to look like. And I really want to go to Abu Dhabi. Um, it's just not in the cards just to kind of maybe not even to compete, maybe do the team race, but just for the experience and to kind of pass 
like I'm the current world champ. I think it would be cool to just pass that title on to someone else. And now I, I can't do that. Like, I don't think there's ever been a race. and I don't think this is going to happen unless Albin doesn't race, but there's never been a world championship race where the previous world champion or another previous world champion hasn't raced. Hmm. And if Albin doesn't race in Abu Dhabi, then there'll be a new yeah, world champion. Be, yeah. Who's never won it before, which is kind of cool, hmm. but I'm hundred percent banking on a European. I don't think anyone from North America is going to, crack the top three but that's just me the travel itself is, is dude is, it's the travel it's like they're unless you book everything yourself and pay yourself which is doable um the the i guess the drive that they want so they want to they want to fly you in on like a thursday friday drive you on a bus to the venue and sleep in a tent the whole weekend you can't leave you can't do anything while you're there no plan of food, logistics, water, sleep, cots, power. Like I'm in the military. This is like, I mean, this is just what we do all the time. We go to the field and organize traders and we got water buffaloes and I'm sure they have a really good logistics plan, but this isn't the army and this isn't a, you know, a mission. This is a, a, a world championship caliber Olympic level event. And you would never see this type of thing going on in the Olympics. So it's like, it's hard to get everyone at their best performance if they're going to be out, you know, intense, being drained during the day in the heat and then freezing cold at night. Um, yeah, off on a completely different time zone. I think the race is like 3 p.m. too. It's not even in the morning. Which is so strange too because the sun's going to set. Hot, dude. It's yeah, going it's it's to be such a strange, like, I don't know. I'm excited to watch it though either way. I'm excited to see what happens. And, I mean, it, nobody cares if I don't go or anyone else. It's still going to happen. Someone's still going to win. Someone's going to yeah. earn it. They're going to crush it. They're going to put in a lot of hard work. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. It's good for the sport to at least have it. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in 2022 and, and what um, it'll change yeah. or what will the Because that's the thing, right? It's like it, it goes without saying, but it has been a funny two years or so for – for organizations to really figure out where they are in the landscape uh, and then try to figure out how to proceed forward. And it seems like Spartan is really in, in kind of juggling a lot of things. And, and they, it doesn't seem like they're clear on where the organization stands. No, they just the picked up Hunter too, DecaFit, DecaStrong, DecaMile. I mean, they have the Spartan um, Wrestling or whatever, Combat. Yeah, Spartan Combat, dude, I don't even get me started on that. That's like a big, <laughs> like, like Joe loves that and they're putting a lot of effort and a lot of money into it. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, yeah. Like why shouldn't Joe do something he's passionate about? If he loves wrestling and he wants to put it into wrestling, that's, that's his choice, but um, doesn't drive OCR forward necessarily, no. but it gives the opportunity to other sports too. Right. Like or other brands, I guess like uh, Savage and, even um, I would say so much OCR worlds because they just do one race a year, but it gives an opportunity for other brands to kind of get in the mix potentially. And, you know, Hilderbat was a fun race this year. And well, this is what I like about the OCR stars thing. It's like this homegrown grassroots thing that could eventually right. kind of build up to be some sort of in-person event that you can actually qualify for as opposed to just yep. having an invite only type of deal. Um, so there's room for competitors to come in because if Spartan does leave, there will be an opening for someone to kind of fill. Um, Cause I think I there's think still demand. Yeah. No, but I just say like if, if this, if people leave it, like 
Yes, they, they yeah. go to other things. Now, there's still a big market for OCR in general. Yeah, there's demand, um, for sure. Yeah, and I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know Watson was talking about some Spartan cross format that they created during the Spartan games and potentially bringing that back. I think they did a Jacksonville test run. They did. And mm-hmm. then uh, they were talking about that being the selection for the pro team. So that's a thing too, right? There's no talk or no solidity on who's even going to Abu Dhabi like contracted or if you're going to get support or what's going to happen next year like nobody knows like if you're what's going to happen and we're you know a couple weeks out um I've got you know some of my friends who are pro athletes reaching out to me like hey have you heard anything like did you fill out this survey did you talk to this person I'm like yeah I did but I I can't go for different reasons but that doesn't mean that I haven't that's not why I haven't heard anything. Like nobody's heard anything. Nobody's heard but anything. Think, that's uh, what I, it's, there's like flight information. Yeah. And then after that, it's like nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I saw a flight. I bought a flight back in February. So I got to try to get a refund. But uh, I, um, I was planning on going, like I said, it's just, uh, it's not in the cards right now um, is what it is. But uh, I'm so excited to see what happens. And then hopefully yeah, we'll have a plan for next year. Um, my biggest thing is, you know, like, just figuring out what what Spartan wants us to do, you know, for them essentially too. I don't I don't want to just show up. Hey, we just want you to show up and race. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Well, which races, you know, which ones should I focus for? Because it's so hard to to stretch a season from February to December. You know, I'm like, please, just yeah, don't don't make me do that. Whatever you do, but I mean, essentially, I mean, that's what we're probably going to end up doing is same thing we've always done where they're like, Hey, you have to do every race or you're not going to be a contracted pro team athlete unless you do the, the series. Hopefully this does open, like open their eyes a little bit that they're, you know, that the athletes are still exist and we're still out here doing and doing other things that they can't necessarily leverage us the way that they have in the past, where it's like they use us as tools to, to kind of pull away from other companies as opposed yeah. to like valuing us as athletes. So hopefully they, that is something that's like, Hey, we can't just, try to capitalize on all these people because they're here and just kind of move them around like pawns on our big business board. Um, hopefully. hopefully. No, I think we'll get there. I think, I, again, I talked to Steve in Arizona and I felt like there's a lot of positivity and we spoke for a good hour. And I think in the past three years, it's more than I've spoken to David Watson in the entirety of those, that, that three year span. So just that alone, nice. you know, having an hour to talk, personally with um with steve and to make sure you know that he's hearing the same things that everyone's telling me and you know he and he is everything's you know i think it'll take time especially like he's saying there's a lot of people in new positions that just don't know how things operated and maybe they have a better system i think that would be cool if they did um you never know but it's if it isn't super broke you know that's the saying don't don't fix it but uh there are there there were the golden years, like I said, seventeen eighteen, where everything was firing on all cylinders. Um, we made it to ESPN. I mean, we were crushing it, and then uh, yeah, COVID. So it is what it is. And got new people, got new people in place, and that's you know that's really invaluable, right? Is making sure we have the right people in in these leadership positions and making the the decisions to that are hopefully going to be serving the entire community because that's ultimately that's what it is, right? There's value in this sport outside of just the competition and uh, we don't we don't want that to be jeopardized because of how valuable it really is 
Yeah, and and I mean, even looking at the elite field recently, the past you know six, five, six months. I mean, what do you got? Like 10, 11 guys at the start line, or like eight girls. I know so there was there's a Midwest see, race. There's three. Yeah, so you could see like there's just um, there's this difference where even it was so it was weird, but even like back in the day when there used to be an elite point series, even if it was just three thousand dollars for the whole year, people would come out and like crush races to try to win that um and they weren't like world champions or they weren't like someone who would podium in an nbc race but it gave them something else to focus on or the top 50 used to get a free season pass without signing anything with spartan or a free race code for a podium so if you came right. out it wasn't the 500 bucks it was the hey i can do another race or i can give that race to one of my athletes or my wife or whoever those little tiny incentives, like they go such a long way and people are like, Oh, those aren't important. Let's just get rid of them. And I'm like, dude, they're, that's like low hanging fruit, man. It's easy for you guys to do that. It doesn't cost you a lot of money and it goes a long way with getting more participants to the race. Um, which again, gets more people posting about it on social, gets you more exposure. But, um, I don't know, I guess we'll close it out. Like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do this now for like the VJs and the, the future of the sport, the, the Vinces, the Marks, the ones who are coming in. And I honestly just want them to have the same opportunities that I had. Like, and it sucks to see that, you know, not be the case for them. And it's not that they're not working any less hard or like, you know, they're not performing. It's just the systems aren't in place that used to facilitate mm -hmm. that anymore. And there's no desire to go back that like at all from Watson, like no desire. And it's just like, it's frustrating. And there are ways to cut money and to, you know, reformat the budget, or there are ways to, to be smart about the budget. Um, and there's creative ways, but that's the thing. There's no creativity. If you don't put in the effort and you're just like, no, you know, and like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, why not? Like, what if I come to you with a really good idea? Will you at least hear me out? Cause that was what I liked about Joe DI. He would say no. And then be like, all right, well, I'm going to come back to you with this solution and maybe we can meet in the middle. And that's that we always were able to compromise. And I think that was the biggest difference between, you know, how the past two or three years have been when he was here is there's no compromise. It's straight up like, no, or you can just go do something else. You know what I mean? Like we don't, need we'll just go to the next guy on the roster. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So like, all the things that I've done over the past five years or all the things that other athletes have done, like they just mean nothing anymore. You know, like that, that relationship you built. So that was a little frustrating, but it is what it is, man. Like I said, you got to go back to your mindset. You got to go back to, um, you know, being open to change and wanting to change and wanting to remain positive and find other other ways to keep you positive, um, trying to get more involved with the community for me, trying to get more time with the family and kind of focusing on my military career is where I'm at um, right now to kind of recap. And then racing is still very important to me. I still want to go out. I still want to perform. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, yeah, I don't think I'm in it to like win it every single time anymore or that's definitely not where I'm focusing my time. I, I would say I could go back to that if, if it were feasible financially, but it's just a hard sale right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm 40 next year, dude. I'm pretty stoked. I'm going to try to pull a woods. 
yeah and win a couple of races at 40 uh, and cody did, the, the beaming and, light for people that are coming up be like well well hope yeah, he said he's the, coming back too with his son he said they're gonna come back and like he's gonna he's gonna show his son what's up i've like, <laughs> heard that interview we'll, we'll see well that'd be amazing he's like if he could still come back and rock i know dude and i i 100 believe he can he's just that guy with the mindset like he yeah he can do anything i feel like he's he's a beast he's very focused well we hope to see you out there being just like that appreciate you taking the time man and being honest with all this conversation it was super fun um and i know you'll be involved in the sport for a long time to come so i appreciate everything you've done everything you're doing so yeah no thank you for the time as well i mean you're selling yourself short here you're a very accomplished athlete so i'm curious to pick your brain on some of the things that you've been doing lately as well uh yeah, you're you're pretty much crushing the Decafit arena right now. So I'm gonna try to uh, try to get somewhat close to one of those times, maybe next year for the actual Decafit. I don't think I could touch the Deca Mile or Deca Strong, but uh, Decafit maybe if I'm if I'm really training hard, I think I could maybe give you a run for your money. We'll see. Start getting <laughs> that speed. Start getting that speed going. Yeah, five k, ten k speed. Yeah, well, I look forward to it. Hopefully, those events will start to pop up a little bit more because there's nothing really on the docket outside of Austin, which and there's a Denver. Um, yeah, but that the Austin conflicts with a high rocks race, the Chicago race. So, okay. Um, yeah. High awesome. rocks is where it's at, dude. Like that's, that's a, just lot, a lot of fun. hard. <laughs> it's really hard. hard. That sled push is brutal. I gotta, I gotta work on that if I want to go back and I definitely will go. I think that's the thing too, is trying to compromise how much weight do I gain and how much, um, do I want to be a better runner? Cause that, that became a problem for me when I was at 175 trying to train for high rocks. And then right now I'm at 162 mm. and it's a lot easier to run 12 pounds lighter. Um, and I think that's why I've been winning a lot of the races I've been doing lately. So I don't know. Right. We'll yeah. It's like a trade off. It's hard to, and that's, it's like what you said earlier. It's like, there's always going to be that one person who is the hunter, the Megiddo, the Kent who are going to be 185 plus who are sp specifically focusing and on that. Fat. And yeah. fast, right? They're not, and, and like, yeah, they could probably be faster if they were focused on somewhere else, but they're not. So it'd be hard to hedge that way, you know? For sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean I'm excited to see what happens. I'm just taking it one day at a time like everyone else. And I mean, it's a challenging time. I think everyone's kind of struggling through, you know, trying to figure everything out and trying to get into this. Hopefully it's not like the new way of life. I can't imagine. It's like, it's been rough enough two years doing the whole mass thing trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to navigate, um, virtually. So mm -hmm. I just hope like, yeah, it was such a nice experience this year to just go to races and see everyone in person and kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy. And I'm hoping that continues for next year. But of course, you know, we're going into flu season and holiday season. holidays. Yeah, yeah. Cold weather and potential, you know, higher spike for COVID. So dude, you never know what could happen like over the next few months and that uncertainty just sucks but certainty level is i'm gonna be training i'm gonna be working out um, same yeah i'm gonna try to get with Nikita and let, let him punish me a couple times in his box get out to elevate yeah uh, yeah go out to elevate dc and then uh there's a really good um studio out here too i went and did decafit in they're a little bit longer of a drive like 30 excurgo i think so it's called hmm. I, I struggle with that name but they're going to kill me for it. But anyway, uh, I went out there and they've got a really sweet uh, gym with um, a lot of the obstacles set up. They got beater, they got twister. Hmm. 
Uh, um, is that the Maryland side or is that in, the, is that in Virginia? Virginia? Yes, Northern Virginia. It's about 30 minutes uh, from my house, but uh, brand new gym. They do a lot of like really good training there and they have all the DECA stuff. So there's another event there in January, um, another DECA mile. So got my first mark. Now I'm going to try and I want to break 20. I got to I gotta work on the fitness stations. Though. The assault bike, that's like, so in the skier, right? Like if, but yeah. you're good at it. You, you can ski. Skier is good. Yeah, I just gotta practice a little bit more, and yeah, I gotta I gotta bike a little bit more. Um, I felt my ram burpees were slow, and my lunges um, coming off of those, trying to get back into running. Mm-hmm. I need to work on the transition and threshold. Um, just more threshold work. I'll be good. And less and then, less time, less time went training for something like that, right? Yes, exactly. Stadiums. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm short course. Like everyone is like. Oh, the beast is where it's at. And I used to be there, but now I'm like, man, when you have a job and you have other things like, no, the, the stadium and the deck of fit are where it's at. Cause I, I mean, I tell people this all the time. You only got to give, uh, you know, 1% of your days or I think it was a four, the 4% four an hour um, of your time to just train uh, for whatever you do. If you can just give 4% of your day, just one hour, um, you can, you can get a lot done hmm. in that time period. Um, and you can, you know, can make gains. It's all about consistency and quality workouts over quantity too. Like I, I think I proved that in the past four or five weeks when I've only been doing, you know, one or two workouts a week, but they've been really good workouts and I've had some really good recovery. And I, I mean, I've been programming and training for a long time and I, I didn't think that I would be able to do what I did. So I'm kind of, now I'm having to rethink like, man, maybe Hobie does have the, the like secret squirrel, like, you know, you just do like 15, 20 miles a week and you do these really good quality workouts and that, that'll be enough. So it's That's what I think about too, like just like getting older, right? It's like where the volume is just going to be detrimental in terms of the recovery. Much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe when you're being younger, you can handle a little bit more, you just recover a little bit better, your testosterone levels a little bit higher. But at this point, it's like, uh, I feel probably feeling good is probably the the main yeah. the, the key indicator and it's just getting through those few tough weeks i mean everyone has those lulls where you're you know in between a, a cycle or you're not you know you're not peaking or your heart rate variability is a little bit low so you gotta you know recover or do more um, non-impact so that's why i try to transition to the bike or the swim versus running and lifting and then when i feel a little bit more fresh um get back into it full time so but yeah, a lot of times now it's uh, 5.30 a.m.s. Um, that's what everyone asks me. Like, what's the difference between being a pro athlete and trying to, like, be an athlete while you're working? And I was like, literally, it's just the amount of sleep you get. Like, I think you Ken, can, Ken's doing the same thing, right? He's just like – Yeah, I'm like, you can balance stuff in the day, but you got to you gotta do your workouts really early in the morning and late at night and maybe, like, a quick lunch break or just break it up throughout the day. But you're not going to spend as much time doing that recovery uh, in between mm-hmm. or – you know, doing a late morning workout um, where you've got a lot of sleep and you've already had breakfast and you have calories versus doing a fasting workout where you haven't had anything for breakfast because you've just woken up. Um, so yeah, there's just a little bit of a schedule change and getting back into it. But uh, the main thing is just to keep working out and keep, you know, it's, it's so important to stay healthy, to stay mentally focused and strong and just like you were saying before, like one of the things for my season is, uh, you know, setting a goal and accomplishing it and then having that self-gratification that you, you did it essentially. It's, uh, 
it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. I think it should be addicting to some people. You know, you always continually look to keep learning, to keep developing, to keep growing, to keep setting your next goal and don't just be satisfied um, with what you've done. And I think that's just, uh, I guess, a good way to close this out. <laughs> I got to get back to work. That'll do it, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll be uh, on the lookout for you for sure. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Take care. You guys take care.